1: In every pair of Tacovas boots, you can expect handmade quality, first-wear comfort, and timeless western style. Tacovas boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Takovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles visit tacovas.com that's t e c o v a s.com and don't go gently y'all in every pair of tacovas boots you can expect handmade quality first wear comfort and timeless western style a great pair of western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments tacovas boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers and with occasional resoling they will last a lifetime The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or find leather goods.
2: brought to you by cd fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local cd USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, and remember to go fishing. Here's your host, The Carnops, and this is the February room.
3: Pandemics, climate change, cancellations, and inflation, like all the other working professionals, fishing guides are navigating the roughest waters ever. My guest today provides a throwback for hardworking guides and outfitters struggling to stay afloat. Molly Simpkins, welcome to the February Room. Hi, thanks. I'm waving at you, but you can't see me. (laughs) <laughs> I'm waving back. You know, I think that that statement's very true. These past two years is, oh. we, I think that's a great analogy. It's been some rough waters and um, we are going to go in more depth about um, a nonprofit that is going to change the lives of, I'm hoping, a lot of guides, outfitters that are tuning in. But before we go in, into that, let's hear a fishing story. Okay. So I have a lot. Well, you should also say you're in Bozeman. So of course you have a lot of fishing stories. Well,
4: I actually moved over to Livingston in May. So I'm literally like four miles from where I work now, which is lovely. But I am like in the epicenter of fishing in Montana. Um, But most of my stories or most of my best memories involved my family because my brothers and I, and when my father passed, uh, my father was, was with us, he passed away a few years ago. Every year we try and uh, take a trip together, whether it's in the Midwest or in the mountains or in Florida, or Louisiana, we went to Mexico last year. So every year we try to do something, but one of the most memorable, and oh great, I'll start off with tears, was um, hmm. in December of 2020. And my brothers and I had planned a trip to Venice, Louisiana, where we have some wonderful friends and Mike and Lori Fournette, and they have a lodge there in Venice. And for years, we have been going down there with our father, and he passed away in 19, I'm sorry, 2019. Hmm. And so this was our first trip without him. And it was just the three of us, no friends, no girl or boyfriends, just the three of us. And it. there was nothing about it that wasn't perfect. There was no wind. We were catching fish like crazy and giant ones. And I finally said to Mike, I said, I've been coming down here for years and I got to catch my first red on the fly, which I did. But one of the most incredible parts about this story, uh, and there's a video that he put together with this. and But we are going in on the last evening and the sun was going down and we look up in the sky and there are two rainbows Wow! and we stopped and we lost our mother about 30 years ago so we're like oh my god it's it's our parents and mike the moment wasn't lost on mike either because my father being with him was always one of his favorite times so that was one of my most memorable fishing experiences. Wow. And it it always will be. Yeah, it was pretty special. Oh, Gotta gather myself here. There's something
3: about, that we obviously can't understand what happens when when the time comes for us to go to the other side. And it's interesting that memory that you just told me about reminds me of, um, my husband had a really close friend that passed away and he used to go elk hunting in this one specific spot every year with him. And it was a first year we were going to go elk hunting, um, in that spot without his buddy and no joke. We're about to hit the trail and a bird lands on my husband's head. Yeah. Oh, lands it. on his head. And and it's not like he just landed on it and went away. He just kind of st- stood there on my husband's head. And I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, is that, is that like, you know, our buddy just being like, yeah. enjoy, enjoy your elk hunt. I wish it I was is. going out there yeah. with you.
4: Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's profound. I mean, we are, my brothers uh, I have two brothers that, um, and it's not lost on us, how absolutely fortunate we are that we've been able to mm-hmm. say goodbye to both of our parents. So, you know, for them to show their way, To to display themselves in that way.
3: And and, and on that note, you know, like going through such hard times and having the water be a place of like, you know, to reflect on the things Mm -hmm. and the good memories that is so important. And honestly, that is let's let's get let's dive into it. Let's talk about this organization that you are the executive director of both the Outdoor Guide Association and the Guide Relief Program. And Like we said, Mm -hmm. there is a lot going on in these past two years that I can only imagine has been mentally, financially straining. And um, let's talk about how
4: did this, how did these organizations come to light? Sure. I mean- It's interesting. Over my life, I think everything I've done over my life has brought me to this point. I worked in broadcasting for 20 years and rose from an intern to uh, a director of operations for a region. So I learned about budgeting and, I mean, everything that comes along with it. And then I hopped over into the nonprofit sector and found my passion for fundraising and development. And then I found casting for recovery, which melded the two things I loved, um, and then I've landed at Sweetwater Fly Shop in Livingston just over four years ago. And in doing so, I took over the outfitting and the booking of trips. And that's when I learned how incredibly difficult and demanding
1: mm-hmm.
4: guiding can be. And people have asked me over the years, you guide? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough know, to be a guide. I know. <laughs> That is correct i will raise money for you i will do events i will book your trips but i'll be damned i will not be a guy because it's so really hard so uh so hard and people just don't see what goes into it you know they don't see and you know because your husband is a guide that they're up incredibly early getting ready for the day it's a it's a hard job not just physically um but, you know, you're dealing with uh, some variables like weather and flow and God forbid you get an inhospitable client, which happens. Right. Um, so it's really difficult. And then when when COVID hit in uh, March of 2020, I'd say my boss, Dan Jagone, who owns Sweetwater, sent me a text, which I still have. And it says, do you think we could raise money for guides who are losing income? I'm like, absolutely. So off I went. And the first person I engaged was Kinsley, yes. who we all know and love a guide in Missoula. I met Kinsley when I lived in Missoula in, uh, I want to say I met her in 2014, probably. And she just struck me at that time as like, this girl is a go-getter. She's smart. She hustles and she gets it. Um, so she was my first. Then we started engaging some other people around the country, uh, around the state, excuse me. Um, Because when you're giving people money, you want to make sure you do it on the up and up and several people are involved. I didn't want people to say, oh, she's giving money just to her guides. I wanted to make sure it was really transparent. Um, So that's what we did. And then when the CARES Act passed, anyone who could could get unemployment. And they also changed up the system for independent contractors, such as guides, even hairdressers, to take advantage of that. Plus, you know, an extra... Few hundred bucks a week, so I didn't feel right raising money for that. So we pivoted at that time, only um, we, we created the Guide Relief Program and pivoted to help guides navigate unemployment and PPP and idle, and give them, you know, information on how to access uh, assistance if they needed for rent or utilities or they had food insecurities. And in doing that, I was like, why is there nothing? To support these guides in a yeah. meaningful way. Now there are there are guide associations around the country, and a lot of them are conservation forward, which is fabulous. But we wanted to do something a little different, so we we started on our way creating the guide relief program, and um, also wanted to create something that offered them benefits. But that's a whole nother. That's where the Outdoor Guide Association comes in. So the Guide Relief Program is a 501c3. Um, we're designated with the IRS. We can take donations. But what we have turned into is an organization that um, supports guides financially with small grants if they're in crisis. And if any guide in the country simply applies and shows proof they are a guide, they will automatically get two free months of mental health services. Now, one is independent of the other. So you could do one, you could do the other, you could do both. It doesn't matter. So, you know, we've kind of spent the last two years building the organization and boy, did it come to roost on June 13th.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I was just about to say, and I think this, I mean, who would have expected that the amount of like inflation and then we have
4: a uh, historical flood in the Yellowstone. Unbelievable! I mean, we were sitting there on shop that Monday morning, and it was me and one of the shop guys, and one of uh, the Vermil- Vermilion boys who who works upstairs. Pat came downstairs. And he goes, "This car when springs is showing like fifty one thousand. We're like, lot- we're like it's broke. It's broken." there's no way that the river is at 51,000. And we started getting reports from upriver that it was indeed true. And mm-hmm. we just started batting down the hatches at the shop, took all the inventory off the floor. Pat, I think is the hero of this story, just tarped and sandbagged the ever-loving hell out of that building. And we got to a couple inches in there, but certainly um, fared much better than many businesses or homes in the area. And then of course our guides. And what
3: I I really appreciate about the guide relief program is that, like you said, there's so many programs out there, a lot of it dealing with conservation, which we need to, like if we're all using these resources, but to take it into the guide's hands, like, Hey, time Mm -hmm. out, how are you doing? Because I also feel guides have now have a lot of responsibility more so than in the past. Um, I'll be talking to guides and whether there's a lot more people on the rivers and that is a real struggle. I think in Montana for fishing guides is like, I love these waters. Am I abusing these waters? Like,
4: don't you think that's the truth? It is the truth. I mean, that's just one of the things that many guides struggle with, you know, the resources we have, you know we're losing them, not just here, everywhere. Yeah, in the country, the waters are warm, they're low. You know, I have guides come in. Also, an etiquette for whatever reason this season is gone out the window. People <laughs> rent boats and rafts, and they come back to me every day, and they're like, "There was five rafts just sitting at the takeout or the put in, just partying like you know. There's there's no other people, so it's it's." It's become a real challenge to remain kind and civil, That's you know, a good way and, to put and that. it's, it really is. It's been, I've not just experienced it, but I've talked to other outfitters and guides elsewhere. And I'm like, are you finding people coming to the rivers this year who are just a little more entitled than ever? And thankfully the number small, but the answer is yes.
3: Yeah. And I just, and I think what's so great about the Outdoor Guide Association is that mm-hmm. sometimes uh, with outfitters and guides, it's kind of like, oh, I know this guide, I know this outfitter. Um, but the Outfitter Guide Association can create an umbrella for all these outfitters to talk with each other. Like you could even figure out, hey, how do we manage this a little bit better? Let's open that conversation.
4: Yeah. And that is going to be that's going to be part of the Outdoor Guide Association, which is different yes. than the Guide Relief Program. I know it's brought some confusion to people, but what had happened is as we started building the Guide Relief Program, we wanted to offer these benefits that were never available to guides. But I will say, in building any nonprofit, the key is a fantastic attorney. And we have been blessed with a gentleman in Connecticut, who is a, a, an avid fisherman and understands what I was trying to do and said, listen, you can't do this under one, uh, one uh, nonprofit because the Outdoor Guide Association is um, a 501c6, which is a yes. membership organization. So he made it very clear to us that these have to be treated totally separate in the eyes of the IRS, and the eyes of everyone. So the Guide Relief Program is the 501c3 that offers um, support, whether it's financially or with mental health. The Outdoor Guide Association is a 501c6, which offers, in quotes, benefits. So for $50 a year, which I don't know if that's a good business model or not, I guess we're going to find out. Um, guides, <laughs> you know, I don't know. We're all in it together. Hey. Let's just be honest.
3: Guides are more right. than, they're resilient. They can go through some like figuring they, out like these, these, these little yeah. drift and rafts like, oh, that, that water didn't feel that good. Let's go over to the other side. Like, let's keep
4: yeah, so for fifty dollars a year, they can join the Outdoor Guide Association. Right off the bat, no questions asked. They also get those two free months, free two free months of mental health services. What happens is once I approve their um, their membership, I upload their email address uh, to our partners at BetterHelp, and they take it from there. I'm out of the process. I don't know if a guide uses it, doesn't use it. I see some, you know, metrics, but that's it. So I'm hoping that confidentiality um, associated with that um, uh, prompts some guides just to dip their toes in. I mean, I've used it. It's fabulous. Oh, yeah. Um, And then the other part of the Outdoor Guide Association, which we're super proud of, is that for about $204 a year, guides will have access to, I always feel like this is a laundry list, but it's so impressive, uh, free telehealth, discount dental, Discount Vision, Discount Pharmacy and Vitamins, Roadside Assistance, Global Travel, and Pet Care for $204 a year. Oh, my gosh. Now, I've used that dental. I was testing it out, and I pay for my dental every month through Delta Dental. Yay. Yeah. But I went to my dentist, and I was getting a cleaning. And I said, how much is it through my Delta Dental? And it was $266. That's kind of steep. Yeah. And then I gave him my card for our organization, it was a hundred dollars less. Wow. So I mean, It's a real benefit. I mean, it's real. And like I was looking at it it could cover parts of LASIK and for your eyes and it's crazy pants. So the discount health plan really is a benefit. We are so super proud of that, you know, guides, not just guides, but for that $204, the guide's wife can get it for same thing for their kids. So any family member at the same address can also take advantage of that health discount program.
3: That is insane cuz let's also be honest when you <laughs> said dog every guide has a dog they love to travel yep. to Belize or Florida. I mean these are the guys I they travel to Belize or Florida or Mexico in the winter time. So these are all things yep. that really encompass what guides do um yeah, daily. And so, um, I was curious, have you heard of, um, other guides just being like, Hey, this is, especially with the guide relief program. Um, I know you guys have mm-hmm. done, you raised that money for Yellowstone yes. and I know you've already given some money, um, to some shops and guides. How, how was that reaction?
4: Yeah. So for anybody who's not a- aware of it after the flood hit, uh, Good friend and awesome human Josh Mills, who at this point everyone knows, he lives up in Spokane, big steelhead guy, uh, works for backcountry hunters and anglers. Um, has been doing these flies for hashtag flies for whatever fundraisers for a couple of years. And he's raised flies for like, flood,
3: yeah. I don't even know how
4: much money flies for good, yeah. So, he created flies for yeah, flies for flood relief for this particular thing, and it just took off. And, you know, you didn't necessarily have to make your donation to the guide relief program. It could have been to the Stafford Animal Health Center here. It could have been to the Greater Gallatin, could have been to various ones. So he raised over $50,000, over $40,000, which came to us. So one of the things we were very clear of is not we're just going to help guides, but a couple of um, local nonprofits. So we sent $2,000 to the Red Lodge Area Community Foundation. Um which, oh my gosh, they just lost so much there as well. And then the Greater Gallatin United Way, which is in turn supporting the Park County Community Foundation here in Livingston. So, gosh, that was awesome to do that. And now we have applications coming in for us to allocate funds to guides in the area. So we're getting some traction on that as well. Wow. Um, And it's awesome to, to be able to do that. I mean... I had, and it's these guides in the month of June lost a significant amount of money for canceled trips. Thankfully, um, in July and August, our bookings are coming in, but June was a tough month. Oh, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. How do you figure out,
3: Molly, how much someone is going to receive for like June, say June was a wash and there was a guide who was planning to guide for, you know, 20 days in June and that got washed off like do you give them the full 20
4: days or how does that work well they what they did you know they're coming when they're coming in they are telling us how much they lost so one gentleman lost ten thousand dollars that is significant i don't think we could you know maybe down the road as we build the guide relief program um will be able to actually give these bigger grants, but we're looking at 2,000, 2,500. Um, it's gonna depend how many guides apply. We're still getting the word out. This'll be helpful. Um, and then we're also asking if they applied. Montana had a short window that any independent contractor could apply for assistance of $25,000 or two months, whichever was less. So we are asking that question as well. Did you apply? And have you received assistance? Because we want to make sure that we're equitable and fair. And that if someone didn't apply and didn't get assistance through the state, that we can help. Yeah. So, you know, that's all. So there's several factors. And then there's a group of us, myself, Kinsley, um, Josh, Miles Nolte, one of our board members on the Guide uh, guide Relief Program, are are going to vet all of these. And then we'll write checks.
3: Wow. I mean, even 2,500, that can go So far, because, you know, living paycheck to paycheck and inflation, like I said, I think guides sometimes get the big burnout and I don't, and I don't think that they're being mean on the water. I don't think, I think they love what they're doing because they wouldn't be on the water. But I think there's something where you say when you're waking up at five in the morning, but then there's who dollar restrictions. And then, you know, one of the biggest things is sometimes people say they don't care about catching fish. And there's something that happens when you get on that boat, you want to catch fish and Mm -hmm. you kind of look at your guide and you get a little bit pissed. And then if you're also with another guide Mm -hmm. and the other guide is catching fish and you're not catching fish. Oh my gosh, Justin. Oh, he takes it personally. He'll come home and he's like, and they do, he comes home and he's like, I was like, how to go fishing. He's like, you know, really good really good, great beginner. We took some time to learn about casting, but the other guy on the other boat was just killing it. And you know, yeah. when you're on this other boat, you're like, well, what's wrong with you? It's You know, I don't think you personally yes. look inside yourself. You're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you giving me the wrong bugs on purpose? And, um, and uh, maybe the, maybe that person doesn't think it, but the guide internally is just like, Oh no, why is that guy? Is he thinking I'm not, you know, Justin gets
4: in his head too
3: um, in
4: those certain situations. I have, you know, gosh, that's been happening. I mean, especially here in the Yellowstone, I can literally tell you it's just been like 10 days since the water finally cleared up. It has been mucky and murky longer than any of us wanted or hoped or thought it would. Um, and, and the guides, I mean, most of our guides, they know what they're doing. Not most of them, all of them, what am I talking about? And they know, you know, it's just been terribly difficult this year hoppers just started working like a couple days ago um and and clients are not keeping it to themselves sadly yeah. You know, they're voicing their frustrations to the guides and to me and the shop owner and it's not for lack of trying or knowledge. It's fishing for God's sakes people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they have my part of my job as the booker is to manage expectations. And I do my very best to say, "Listen, you know, things aren't normal this year. It's starting to pick up, but I can't promise you that you're going to catch a lot of fish." And I also I also say Boy, you caught a whitefish. That's the only ma- native Montana fish we have. Yeah, you. <laughs> I I you know? love whitefish. I don't understand. That was the first
3: fish I ever caught I in the fly. And I remember, fun. I didn't even know what you were supposed to call. I mean, it was, you know, this is back <laughs> in my early days of learning how to fly fish. And I was like, it was in Sun Valley. And I was like walking around and they're like, did you catch anything? Beautiful. And I was like, "Yeah, caught myself a whitey." And they were like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "Yeah, it was pretty nice. It was a pretty good fish." And they're like, "What?" I kept kept calling it a whitey. And like a white fish? And I was like, yeah, a white fish. And um fish. I just remember everyone was like, Justin was like, oh, people just don't think those are really cool fish. And I was like, what? I mean, I caught it and it looked pretty awesome to me. Exactly. What's the deal here? Exactly. Like, Justin's like, just don't but I like pranced into that bar like, hey guys, <laughs> professional angler over here waving, waving on everybody. Like <laughs> I'm a professional I'm fly angler, caught it on a San Juan oh, worm. God, that's okay. That thing is small. <laughs>
0: Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
4: Um, I think it's fabulous. And, and a lot of guys, I mean... As long as clients know that you may not always catch a brown or a rainbow trout, you may just catch a ton of whitefish. It's still an awesome day. You're on the water. You're in a beautiful place, and a lot of clients get that, especially the newbies. It's the ones that come in with ridiculous expectations that you just can't make happy. Well, so you know, and especially especially in um
3: Montana, some of these waters. I just the other yeah. the other last week, I was um on the Madison. And just went wade fishing Mm -hmm. and it was, it was chaotic, um, but it was still so beautiful, but I did have to learn, you know, I I feel with fly fishing, um, I'm starting to like understand like when water is super pressured the way that the Madison is, Mm -hmm. and it is high pressure, these fish are starting to get smarter. And so using some Mm -hmm. like five X, you know, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to like really have a prayer that if a fish gets on this because there's some big fish there, but yeah, it's, um, it's understanding those waters. But I think what's great about the guide, the guide outdoor association is being an independent contractor. You're independent, but having these associations makes it like, Hey, we're part of a mm-hmm. bigger group.
4: Like let's, yeah, let's band together. Some of the guides I know we've had this discussion for the outdoor guide association because the membership association is is just that we are we are serving the entire guiding community, not just not just fly either, conventional as well. You know, if you are a, I, we have an, I have an ice fishing guide from Wisconsin Love as it. a member of the Outdoor Guide Association, right? Um, so and there's so one of the things we we're talking about during the off season, if there is one, there's certainly one in Montana. Is how do we create? Um, an online community where we can all get online, something like this or via Zoom and talk about our challenges. Um, I have a wonderful guide who, this is part of his life, being really um, aware of his mental health and his physical health and of his fellow guides. I would love him to lead something where these guides could just get together and just let off some steam with each other. I don't need to be involved. Kinsley doesn't need to be yeah. involved. Just a bunch of dudes hashing it out. So that's certainly something we're talking about regarding uh, the Outdoor Guide Association. One, another thing about the Outdoor Guide Association, other than the health benefits, is that um, our partners at CrossCurrent who supply that health uh, benefit also supply all our insurance products. So you know, here in Montana, guides need liability. So they can get that liability through us and then for a guide who might be a little more forward thinking um, about his future, he can get accident or she accident insurance, uh, disability, or even life insurance. We've had a guide take advantage of that. Wow! Um, one of the other things we really want to focus on. Um, my my um, chair couldn't think of the word. My chairman of the Outdoor Guide Association is a finance finance guy. So we're talking about how do we build something for financial health and think about it now, take that hundred dollar tip and put it away and then do one of those things like in five years, you'll have this much money. Think about your future if you're 20 or 30 years old and what you're going to do when you're 50 or 60 and how you're going to support yourself. So we're, we're talking about whole holistic health when it comes to the Outdoor Guide Association.
3: I mean, that makes total sense. If you were going to work at a bank and they gave you, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're going to be a teller, they would be like, hey, and if you put this money, this is what this is going to look like. And I think that actually makes absolute sense because I know um, having interviewed so many guides, I think there's a point in the guide age where they start thinking, what Mm -hmm. does my future look like? Can um, being a guide sustain me for my retirement plans? And I mean, everyone's Mm -hmm. like, I might have to do something a little bit different. What would that look like? The other thing I think that's super mm-hmm. great about what the Outdoor Guide um, Association does is that you guys create kind of a safety. Um, it says here you do mm-hmm. the safety, stewardship, yes. and
4: service programs. Yep. So we want to grow those. We want to grow those. You know, as part of a as part of a five hundred one c six, you have to show what your benefit to the community at large is, right? So not just guides, but the entire community. So if we have guides. I mean, Montana is probably the most buttoned up. I think Wyoming is as well. Many guides in many states, there are no requirements whatsoever. You don't have to have a license. You don't have to have first aid. You don't have to have liability. And I think that is a recipe for disaster. Oh, absolutely. So how can we we as an association um, say to guides, you know, if you have first aid and a license, I personally would feel better getting on a boat with you knowing if something catastrophic was going to happen, you know, we would be in good hands. So that's one of our things is to see how we can make it safer for all guides around the country and their clients and the community. Stewardship. It's so easy. In August 20th here on the Yellowstone, we're doing a major river cleanup. We did one um, in the spring with the local TU chapter, but after the flood, there is so much Garbage everywhere. So um, Trout Unlimited, um, uh, there's a couple other organizations that are involved are doing this giant cleanup in August. So if you're not a guide working, maybe join us that day um, and help us clean up the river. And so that, you know, stewardship, if you want to um, volunteer your time with the Mayfly Project or Project Healing Waters or Casting for Recovery or any other organization in your town. We encourage that, and we'll even help you find one if there's something you want to do. Oh, I love that. So we think that's really important, right? We think that's really important. And as someone who found their philanthropic stride many years ago, really knows how rewarding it could be, even if it's something small in your community. Helping—I mean, have you been on the street when you saw an old man or an old woman who needs assistance? How did you feel after you helped that person? Yeah, gosh, it feels good, right? So if we can help you find something doing what you love in the fishing community, we're, we want to help you do that. Yeah. And, uh, and service is the same thing. You know, we want to be good service, uh, and give back to these other organizations and on the outdoor guide association website, we have a list of organizations that you can help. Oh, I think it's so, It's just important. And I think that also makes, I don't know. I think if you're
3: using the water as a resource to, have to Mm -hmm. bring income for your family the best thing to say thank you for providing me this is by making it better waters for our future um -hmm. for our future children and um generation yeah and I was our water's in bad shape man and it's trying to I always try and stay a little bit optimistic especially when it just kind of like okay, we got some fires starting. We got some flooding. Um, yeah, we do. You know, it feels like the locust or apocalypse yeah. is about to happen, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. We are. We it's have not. the Guide Relief it's program. Not. We have the outdoor. These are all such great um, nonprofits. Um, Mayfly, the Mayfly Project, like you were saying, these are all great organizations. Oh yeah, uh,
4: Cassidy recovery. I mean, they all serve a wonderful purpose.
3: Yes. That's a great way to say it. They all do serve a great purpose. What do you feel, Molly? That you would like to see in the future for the outdoor? Um,
4: what is your future hopes for these two organizations? Okay. Well, for the Outdoor Guide Association, we really would. We're, we're working to engage members around the country, and grow it solidify it. For both organizations, I'll say this right now, I am I am looking for board members to join us. So I, I haven't done it yet, but I'll put something on each website. If you or someone, they don't have to even be in the fishing industry. If somebody's in the health industry, finance, if you have a passion for fishing or guides, I encourage you to submit yourself or someone else for a board member. So as far as the Outdoor Guide Association's concerned, um, and I've said this before, we wanna strengthen our guide community. And as we get our feet under us and strengthen the organization, our goal and our hope, as I sit here and cross my fingers, is to expand it to other outdoor industries. So if you're a hunting guide, a whitewater guide, a ski guide, a snowmobile guide, and I, whatever you yeah. are, there's no reason that you as an independent contractor in the guide industry shouldn't enjoy these benefits, period. So that is a long-term goal for us. Um, the um, guide relief program, jeez, <laughs> the guide relief. <laughs> Ooh, it's, a, it's a tongue twister
3: too. I have to like, I have my little list here. O G, the OGA and the
4: G-R-P. G-R- P. GRP. It does. It does kind of get mishmashed. That's why I try to do my very best to make sure that everyone knows they are very different yes. organizations with very different purposes. So the guide relief program, um, this, um, fundraiser really shed a huge light on it and so we have more eyes on it than ever so we want to continue to raise the funds the the money we raised for flies for flood relief is in its own fund so that is earmarked just for flood funding but what we do need to do is build the regular fund the the relief fund with donations and gifts Um, So we really need to build up that fund financially so we can engage guides from around the country that might be in crisis Um, because that's the whole purpose of it. So uh, getting that uh, up and running, getting uh, solid board members more on board. Um, Our board members have been wonderful in supporting everything we do. So raising money for both organizations is also key. Um, I'm actually just working right now on. Um, we had an auction last fall, November and December, that, you know, it was our very first fundraiser and we raised almost eleven thousand dollars. So I was pretty proud yeah. of that kind of a slapdash auction I put together. And we had some amazing people involved, but I'm getting ready to put it together already for this season, probably in October. Um, because Orvis has become one of our partners. And I would I would be remiss in not mentioning our partners yeah. in this. Um that have come on board. Orvis has um, committed to a great deal of money for 2022 and we'll be doing a matching gift um, fundraiser at the end of the year. Uh, We'll do our auction in October for the guide relief program. uh, St. Croix has been a partner with us since we started. They are in both organizations. Winston stepped up, uh, Cross Current, of course. One of our initial partners was Sawyer Ores. Um, So, partnerships are huge to us, both for exposure and for financial purposes. So, you know, we're always looking for more to come on board and support both organizations in meaningful ways. Yeah, absolutely. And if these organizations
3: or potential board members want to come on mm-hmm. board, do they just reach out to
4: you, Molly? They can do so. Um, my email address for both is molly at guide relief program.org. And what I'm also going to do, I'm I'm in the midst of finalizing the paperwork if people want to nominate someone. And what I will do is I will put that on, our, on both websites. Um, some people are drawn to the guide relief program more than the outdoor guide association. That's great. That's what we want. If you are someone who sees has been a guide or, you know, has has fished with guides and you want to see them healthy outdoor guide association, if you are a big fundraiser and you want to support um, their financial health and mental health, guide relief programs for you. Um, mix and match, really. Whichever one speaks to you, we are glad to take you.
3: With that involvement, you can kind of make bigger decisions. Um, yep. You know, I have to say, I, you know, there's been times where I'm like, why didn't I go to that board meeting about the school? No. <laughs> Mm -hmm. now i'm having to haul my kids (laughs) across the other side of the street and if i just went there and voiced Uh, my opinion i do think about that because sometimes you know in a big world where sometimes you feel like your voice cannot be heard or you can't make big decisions sometimes you're like well if i just went to the grassroots i could have made a little bit of a difference and then now you're hauling your kids across the street to the busiest part
4: of the school system and you just showed up maybe Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be doing that anymore it's but <laughs> it's funny you should say that. Now that I'm in this posi- well now that I'm in this position of having two boards and trying to lead them, now I understand when I've been on previous boards how important that really is. Oh yeah. You know, it's so super important to be engaged in something that is you're passionate about and that you love whether it's, you know, either organization or something else. It doesn't take a lot of time or effort, um, but you can make a huge difference in your life and that of others.
3: Well, and I'm, honestly, I'm a—I really am i am um, not a pessimist, but I have to say okay. that I think that the future will only prove that this organization can be needed again and again and again. Yep. Um, I think the yep. world's changing a little Sadly. bit. The water is changing; it's getting hotter, um, and mm-hmm. the people who are going to affect um are these independent contractors. And I think it's great that you guys are looking at ahead because it's not just fishing guides, it's elk, it's mm-hmm. snowmobiles, backcountry. Yes. Like we are all independent yes. contractors, but we are all somehow connected together. And so it's great that these organizations are coming together to provide these resources um to navigate these these times.
4: Yeah. And I will say, because it just popped in my head and I read this recently, um, for Montana guides and independent contractors and outfit, any independent contractor in, gosh, I almost said Miami. Good grief. <laughs> you could be a guide in Miami, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I mean, self, the, the keys has an amazing guide association. Amazing. I don't know why with Miami was in my head, but uh, probably cause I'm going there in a couple of months. Wonderful. Um, but for, for Montana, uh, Any independent contractor in Montana right now, um, not unlike during COVID, they are offering um, unemployment benefits. So if you applied for unemployment during COVID, you could do it again now if you suffered from the floods. Wow. That is. I know. And these are the kind of resources
3: that when COVID happened, nobody knew what to do. Nothing. No,
4: no guide knew what to do. It was like, no. everyone was so confused. Everyone. And and I got to tell you, I mean, even in the best of times unemployment is difficult because I've had to do it for a guide who has never dealt with the red tape of the government, except for getting a license, which is relatively easy. They don't know how to do this. So we were, I feel fortunate that that I've had to do it previously. So I had knowledge, but you know, thankfully um, because of COVID, this independent contractor unemployment was put in place. So now it's going to be much easier to access that than initially with COVID. And if you did get unemployment through COVID, you'll be doing it the same exact way. Go log into your account and just fill out the paperwork.
3: I mean, that's amazing. I mean, this is a I resource that I think every guide should be on board with. Yes. Um, and can we give an email, Molly, to the,
4: um, to the guide relief yeah, so so the the websites are pretty easy. Uh, guidereliefprogram.org and outdoor guide Um If you just want to send me an email directly, it's Molly at guidereliefprogram.org. And you guys are also on and Instagram. We are on Instagram, we're on the Facebook, uh, we're on LinkedIn. Kind of on Twitter. I'm not a big Twitter person. I'm not a big social media person. That's why Kinsley does most of it. She's so, I I must say. Man, she is, she, wow. I think on her
3: podcast, I think I described her podcast as like the person that wears a lot of hats. She's, I don't know how she's able to. Yeah, she has a lot of
4: jobs, that one. It's, It's exhausting.
3: Man, I don't even know when she sleeps, but kudos to her. You know, it's, people like uh, you and Kinsley that are just out there making, I mean, to see a problem and be like, you know what, instead of just talking about how I don't understand why this is going on, how do I navigate this to create a program and step up? Because that's what it takes to somebody just to step up and say, this needs to be fixed. And I will do that. That that's,
4: that's doing hard things. Let's <laughs> do hard that we couldn't understand why there wasn't anything like this. And I got to say it again, my boss, Dan Jagone, Um, for the first, until we made money, he and his wife supported it financially. I did not take advantage of that. I think it cost me less than a thousand dollars, but honestly, and it never could have been done without their support in every single possible way because they see it all the time too. And, you know, it was Dan saying, how do we raise money for these guides in crisis that kind of sparked the whole thing and then leave it to two broads to make it happen. You know hell's yeah, hell's this yeah, thing. so yeah, hells I mean, to the yeah. and it's exhausting and it's tiresome, and my brain gets muddled. And I just try to say, Listen, this is all for the greater good, and you know, just keep growing and pushing and keep helping as many people as possible.
3: I mean, as I like to tell my My daughter and my son, when they get frustrated, I'm like, you can do hard things. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes it's really hard, but you do get to the other side and you made it at the end of the day. And sometimes that's all you can look at. Like, well, I did a hard thing today. And even as you get older, we can still do hard things. Even We can do
4: hard things. But, you know, it's more exhausting. It's more exhausting. It's more, I said the other day, I don't know how people with children do it. I just don't have the energy now, let alone throw in a, a bevy of children to make it more difficult. Ugh. No, I can't I, I, I can't I imagine. It's, you know...
3: I mean, I'm not the one. I'm not putting together enough two <laughs> nonprofit organizations. <laughs> That's how I do it, Molly. I don't. I don't sign up for two nonprofit organizations. Okay. So fair enough.
4: Killing it,
3: doing fair it. <laughs> we all have
4: our strengths now, don't we? I've got a podcast just, in me. <laughs> I feel, I just feel very fortunate that. You know, my life starting in broadcasting through nonprofits and now at the shop, all of those things I have learned have brought me to this place and to these two organizations and what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Both of these. Wow, Molly, that is, I mean, that is so
3: beautiful. I mean, I think, Thanks. you know, creeping up to 40 and, you know, still trying to figure out and navigate that. So to be in a place where you're just like, this is what I want to do. That's a beautiful thing and helping other people. I couldn't imagine a more rewarding way to reflect on your life. Um, well, Molly, before we sign off, Mm -hmm. um, I would love to hear, let's, let's hear another good fishing story. Oh, a good one.
4: Oh, a good, a good,
3: crazy, a good, crazy one. Whatever is up your sleeves.
4: I don't know. I mean, a lot of my stories involve falling. (laughs) Oh, I
3: love a good falling story, Molly. The other day I actually took a slide right into the Madison I was nice. like, Wee! and everybody was there. I was like, I yeah. meant to do that. Just taking a little dipperoo.
4: I did that <laughs> last week and I slid down and I ended up just putting my hand on my head. Like I was posing. Um, yeah. <laughs> like several, years, several years ago, I lived in Missoula and I was fishing with a buddy and I was getting in his boat. And as I was getting in his boat, I fell out of the boat. But I think my, my best story, and if you go to my Instagram page, you'll see this from just over a year ago. Um, I was fishing on the ruby alone, and I met a couple people that I knew, and they went up to their vehicle, and I said, well, I'll just take another couple casts, and I stumbled over a rock. And the rocks on the ruby are sharp, and it hit me in the knee, and I thought I broke something. And... Uh, I get up to my car and I thought I would just drive home in my waiters. And I'm like, golly, my knee feels awful hot. So I get home and I knew there was going to be nastiness under there. So I, I recorded it, of course. And as I pull and I had liners underneath, and as I pull my waiters down, there is a bloody mess. And oh, my gosh, I pull the, the other pants down and there is this gash. And it took about five people to say to me, You need to get stitches before I was like, Okay, I'll get stitches. So yeah, I ended up getting four stitches. And even though I won't mention the waiter company, there was not even a mark on the waiters. <laughs> really? Not it a just, cut it not a nit- all off. There was not even a cut on the waiters. What? Yet my knee my my knee required four inches. Four stitches. How? I know. How does that pop well, <laughs> I don't know. Those are some good waiters. It'll I be I'd a say. secret.
3: Maybe we'll just have to like go on the Instagram and just see the picture.
4: Oh yeah. It's, it's a little video of me pulling it down and seeing them and then a little video of the stitches. And then I then I treated myself to a root beer float.
3: Oh, that sounds <laughs> that sounds so delightful. <laughs> yeah. I love a good root beer float. I also right. love Arnold Palmer's. Those are like my oh. two summer. I love an Arnold Palmer in the summertime, just sitting there, just looking down my
4: Arnie Arnie Palmer alert. That sounds (laughs) lovely. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I had, I've had a lot of great fishing stories, some fabulous fishing pals and, you know, again, my family, there's nothing fishing like my brothers because we're kind of all we have. And, you know, those are the best memories. Well, and
3: I, I have to agree. Yeah. Some of my favorite memories are fishing with my my sister, or especially my husband, yeah. we have the best time on the water. That's great. even though sometimes it can be like when the fish is on, it everyone's everyone's heightened. <laughs> it gets a little stressful, and then you come down, and then you are like, um, "We still love each other." Right?
4: Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of it. I mean, fishing. I got to tell you, my best fishing pal and I could not be more different in every single way, politically, religiously, in life, and and. Honestly, we have the best time together because we just don't talk about it. We don't think about it really. We yeah. just go out and fish and have the best time and laughs and giggles and falling ever. Molly, let's 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 make our way once the hopefully the
3: Yellowstone can calm down even a little bit more. Let's get on the water together and slip and slide down <laughs> down the Yellowstone. I would love that. I think that would be an awesome. <laughs> I'll make sure I bring the right waiters.
4: <laughs> That's right.
2: Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns. And if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free. But if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.